Well, it's a great day. It's a great season. It's a great time to reflect, a great time to ponder and think. And I want to encourage you to do that with me for just a few moments today. I want you to turn in your Bible to two passages. Number one, turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to show you something interesting today. You wouldn't call this a Christmas uh, uh, passage, but it certainly is. Uh, In fact, did you realize, have you realized yet, that all the Word of God is full of Christmas? It's all about Christmas. And then also, turn and hold your place in Isaiah, the beginning parts, and we'll look there. I want to talk to you today about the name above all names. Everyone say his name, Jesus. Interesting to me as we look into Scripture that there are so many references to the name of God and to the names of God and to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll look at some in a few moments. But I want you to see something right up front in Philippians chapter 2 where Paul the Apostle brings us to two great historic events In just a couple of verses. He says this in verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God. Now he's talking about Jesus. Follow me. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a servant. I love that. He took the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. Everyone say, now that was Christmas. Verse 7 describes that first Christmas morning. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Now verse 8. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Everyone say, now that's Easter. You see, Paul the Apostle hits two huge historic events in two verses. He brings us to the beginning of the, of the, the plan of God for all humanity at the birth of our Lord, where Jesus humbled himself and became as a man. And he lived as a man, but he was not a man. He was the Son of God. And he lived in order to come to that place where he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. So I'm just here today to tell you I'm so thankful for the, for the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, there's a song, if I could sing it, I would. Uh, Beverly has been playing it a little. It's about, uh, it's about, it's a Christmas song, but it's not all about what we just sang about. It, it, it's about the fact that he died on a cross and he paid for our sin with his own blood. And so this morning, I want you to see that. I want you to see. And now I want you to see this verse nine. He links Christmas and Easter. And then he says, a therefore. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and given him, given him a name that is above every, every name, that at the name, everyone say it, Jesus, every knee should bow and tho- of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, we thank you for the name you've given us that's above every name. 
We thank you today for the opportunity to tune in to what you've got for us this morning and to be able to learn, Lord God, the power that is above every name, that name which is above every name and how powerful it is for us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Did you know in the Old Testament, and you can turn over to Isaiah if you like, did you know in the Old Testament, and oh, I would love it if you would do this. In fact, we may, we may have to go on a journey together and begin to identify some of the major prophetic, messianic pro, uh, prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. And said, and most theologians believe and have come to the reality that there are at least and probably over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. In fact, it begins very early on, and you don't need to turn there. I'll just make mention so you'll know it's all the way through. Genesis chapter 3, when there was the battle, uh, and Satan showed up, and, and, and there was a deception. God speaks, and he talks about the seed of, of Eve, or the seed of woman, will one day bruise the head of Satan. It was a direct revelation and a direct reference to Jesus Christ, one day coming and finding great victory over the devil. Somebody say amen. And so the Old Testament's filled with, with, uh, uh, with direct and, and what some might call indirect references to the coming of Christ. I want to show you a couple, and especially because they reference his name. Here we go, Isaiah 7. If you're at Isaiah 7, 14, say, uh, he, uh, hallelujah. Here we go. Look here what it, what it says. Therefore, now catch, now this is Isaiah. This is not the New Testament. This is Isaiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name, what? Emmanuel. Now that's powerful to me. His, he said, you'll call his name Emmanuel. Now turn over to Isaiah 9. He just, he just comes at it again in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And here we go. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. In fact, let me just pause. In my, in my uh, Bible, there's a comma there after wonderful, but a lot of the, theologians believe that comma's probably not supposed to be there. Even if it is, he's wonderful and he's counselor. I just happen to believe he's saying he's wonderful counselor. Everyone say wonderful counselor. For unto us a child is born and unto us a, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called wonderful counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice for that time forward and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And everyone said, Amen. This morning, what I want to do is I want to take a closer look at the power of his name. And I want us to embrace, the, and there's a lot in a name. How many of you know there's a lot in a name? And especially when you study Scripture, there's a lot in the name. In fact, we see that uh, uh, because of what Jesus has done, because if you go back to Philippians, that He came and lived as a man, and, and then He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and given Him a name that is above every name. And everybody said amen again. So let's look at it a little closer. These prophetic declarations about the power and the authority of his name. Number one, as we saw in Isaiah 7, 
his name shall be called Emmanuel. That is, in fact, if you went to Matthew 1, 23, you'd find that Matthew gives us a little def- definition of what Emmanuel means. It means God with us. Everyone say God with us. In fact, this is what I want you to see as Emmanuel. God revealed his intimate passion and love that he has made available to all people. When he said his name shall be called Emmanuel, what he was saying is God wants to be with you. God wants to spend time with you. You see, ever since the sin problem entered into the equation back at the garden, God has always and has developed a plan and a purpose that we're looking at today to bring man and God back into fellowship with one another so he could walk with us again and talk with us again, just as he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. And so it's interesting to me that God said his name. This is the, this is, this defines him. His name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. In fact, that's what happened on that first Christmas morning. I was going to just try to talk, but I get excited. On that first Christmas morning, God came back to planet earth to be with us. Woo! Man, happy birthday, Jesus. And ever since that sin problem, God has been endeavoring to get us back into right relationship with Him. It's because of His great love with which He loved us. In fact, you know the verse, John 3, 16, what does it say? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, everyone say that means me, that whosoever does what? Believes on him. You see, that doesn't mean just believe right here. It means believe right here. Whoever believes on him, trusts in, relies upon and clings to him shall not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. You see, his name, Emmanuel, reveals his heart toward you today. That he wants to be with you. He wants to fellowship with you and I. He wants to restore relationship with us. And if you're here today and you've never really given your life to Christ, you might want to just consider the reality that God came to be with us and he wants to fellowship with us. But sin has separated us. There's power in the name of Emmanuel. But then when you look at Isaiah chapter 9, you see some wonderful definitions and descriptives of who, who Jesus is and how God came in the form of human flesh. Number one, it says he's wonderful counselor. Everyone say wonderful counselor. Let me just pause and ask you, have you ever needed counsel? Some of you are in denial. I've got my hand up here. How <laughs> Let me, let's start over. I'll give you a chance not to be in denial. How many of you have ever come to the place in your life where you needed some counsel in your life? Woo! And now, let me ask you this. How many of you ever got some bad counsel? Oh, man. Let me just say, if you got bad problems, don't go talking to other people with bad problems, getting counsel from them. You're just going to make it worse. But find someone who has some insight. But here, let me just say this. Jesus Christ came to be a wonderful counselor to us. And and that phrase, that name, wonderful counselor, it reveals where God uh, has revealed to us his infallible precepts that he's made available. A precept is a law and a guide and and, and a word of direction in our life. In fact, Isaiah 28 says this, his word became as precept upon precept, word and directives in our life. You see, wonderful counselor, counselor reveals that he has given us his word 
his direction in our life. That's why David was able to say in Psalm 119, verse uh, 105, he said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Why? Because God came as wonderful counselor. In fact, John said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's a wonderful counselor today. You know, I appreciate people, and I, and, and I have limitations. I've, I, I do my best to help, but let me just tell you, this holiday season, and you know, the holidays can be good or bad for some people. And if there's issues that you're walking through, you know, circumstances that you walk through every holiday season, listen carefully to me. Uh, that's, it, that's, that's a great time to tap into the wonderful counsel. He's got counsel for us in His Word. He's got wisdom and insight for us in His Word. He's a wonderful counselor. He's God with us and His Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld Him, John said. But today, we have His Word. We have His wonderful counsel. If you've got your Bible with you today, it's wonderful counsel. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. If you've got it in your, in your smartphone, my, I found out my smartphone's only as smart as I, but if you've got the Bible in your smartphone, it's wonderful counsel. But, look, but what do you and I have to do? We've got to take that counsel. Amen. When I've counseled people in times gone by, I've said, now here's what I want you to do. And, they, and, and, and gloriously, some of them listen to the counsel Others don't necessarily listen to the counsel and they just want to unload their troubles, but they don't want to find wise counsel and wonderful counsel. Let me tell you something. Anything you find in the word of God is going to be wonderful. It's wonderful counsel. He is the wonderful counselor, but then also we see in Isaiah 9 that his name, he's mighty God. Everyone say mighty God. And as mighty God, he revealed to us his intrinsic power made available to all people. How many of you know God is all powerful? Whoo, somebody say amen. And when he came, they, uh, hey, God wanted us to know because of the prophetic insight that the God you serve, that, that the Son of God that comes to planet Earth, even as a baby, is, is God incarnate. He's mighty God. Somebody say mighty God. We serve a mighty God. We used to sing an old chorus here. What am I? And I don't know if it was here because it might have been way before. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. Bump, bump, bump. What a mighty God we serve. That's old timey right there. We serve a mighty God. Everyone say he's a mighty God. Interesting to me, when Jesus first began to develop his leadership team and began to make disciples and followers began to follow him, he began to send them out. He sent, in fact, he sent a group of 70, two by two, 35 evangelistic teams that went out into the highways and the hedges. And they went out and under the directive of Jesus, under the directive of the Lord of glory, the Emmanuel, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. And he sent them out with instructions and directives and they came back rejoicing saying even the demons are subject to us in your name everyone say there's power in the name of Jesus I don't know what name you're up against today you may be under the under the under the uh, resistance of some negative name whether disease or depression or trouble or trauma or, or, or whatever it is you battle today I came to tell you 
that Jesus Christ came to planet earth, not only as Emmanuel, God with us, and not only as a wonderful counselor, but He's come in your behalf as a mighty God to bring great victory in your life. He's more powerful than anything you face. Amen. Then I love this other one. He's everlasting Father. As everlasting Father, listen carefully, God revealed His immortal person that is made available to all people. Let me explain that. Immortal meaning forever and undying. And His person, now I'm, I, I don't speak of God as a human. I speak, I speak here about His personality. Now listen carefully. All God ever wanted to be was a Father. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 68, 5, He's a father to the fatherless. Is God in His holy habitation? Now, we got a father issue in the world today. There's daddy issues everywhere. There's a crisis in our homes. Uh, we got uh, father issues, daddy issues that most of us are, if not all of us in some way, have been negatively effective. And hear, hear what you need to understand. When Jesus Christ came, He came to fix those things because He said, I'll be a father to the fatherless. You know, my dad passed away early on. Uh, how long, Beverly, has he been gone? It's 20, 24 years. Pardon me? Died in 84. He's been gone a long time. And my father, in the latter years of his life, uh, which were not long, he li- I think it was 51 or 52 when he, when he was uh, killed in a plane crash and just was a tragedy to us. Uh, in his latter years, had made a real commitment to Christ and, and really was doing his best to serve the Lord. Uh, and, uh, and so gloriously, I had the opportunity to get through some of my daddy issues. But listen, uh, you know, at a very young ministerial age, I had no father. And I realized that there came a time in my life I had some daddy issues. God came to me in Wisconsin at the end of a conference I was speaking at. And he began to heal my heart. And I came in contact, and even though I didn't realize it, I came in contact and a renewed relationship with Everlasting Father. All He ever wanted to be for me was a father. And so today, what a joy to be able to embrace the fatherhood of God. In fact, what did Jesus say when He taught us to pray? You remember what He said? And the disciples saw the miracles that were taking place in Jesus' life, that He would pray late at night and get up early in the morning and pray and, and, the light, and, and do miracles in between. And the light came on and the disciples got a, you know, revelation and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them to pray in Matthew 6. He said, pray this way. The first thing I want you to say in your prayer is, is connect with God as Father. Just, just begin to address him, our Father. Everyone say, he's my Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm telling you, if, you, you, if you'll embrace that today, I want to tell you, all your daddy issues will begin to wash away. All the hurts of your heart or life. Hey, I'm not being tough on daddies. It's just being honest here. And so we've got to walk through. We've got to get to the place where we can relate to him as our heavenly father. He's everlasting father. And when Jesus came, God came through Jesus in the form of human flesh and revealed himself even as Everlasting Father. But then, hey, I know many of you will embrace this one. He said he's not only everlasting Father, but he's the Prince of Peace. We live in a world that needs some peace, right? 
We live in a world that needs Jesus so desperately. And as the Prince of Peace, God revealed Himself and His indescribable peace that is available to each and every one of us. Doesn't matter what storm you go through. Doesn't matter the question marks of your life. It doesn't matter if the winds are tossed and the storm uh, is blowing in your life. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, can, and that means He's the final authority. If you need peace in your life, if you need peace in your home, we need to come into right relationship with the Prince of Peace who can walk into the storm of your life, listen carefully, as He did with the disciples, and He said, Peace, be still. He's the Prince of Peace. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, he said, my peace I leave you, not as the world leaves you. It's not conditional upon the circumstances of your life. It's a peace that goes way beyond whether you got enough money for the month, way beyond whether you're having tr uh, troubles at work, way beyond whether uh, your family is disheveled and, and disconnected and disjointed. He's the Prince of Peace, and He can come into the middle of whatever circumstance you have and begin to speak peace into your heart. He's the Prince of Peace. In fact, I love what the, the angels knew all about it. Everybody say the angels knew all about it. What they tell the shepherds as they were praising God, they said, glory to God. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. There's a name that is above every name. Emmanuel, God with us. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. But there's one more name that the angel declared in Matthew. Turn over to Matthew. And this is where I want you to focus on for the next few moments. Turn over to Matthew chapter 1. And let's look in verse 18. It says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, let me stop and pause right there. Could I suggest to you today this holiday season? that you stop and think about these things that I'm telling you today. Joseph was smart enough, wise enough, thoughtful enough before he reacted to pause and think about these things. And while he paused, listen carefully, while he paused and began to think about these things, it gave God an opportunity through the form of the angel of the Lord that appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for, what, for, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son. Now catch this, I love this, that that God respected Joseph enough to give him the name. And he said, you shall, he said, God has done this. And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name what? Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. You see, he's the Savior 
of the whole world. In fact, as Jesus, when Jesus came to planet earth, God revealed his immutable, unchanging plan to make that, that was made available to all people. And what's his plan? Through the name of Jesus, it defines it to save you. To save his people from their sins. You remember what the angel said to the, to the uh, uh, shepherds there abiding in the, uh, uh, in the fields, watching over their flocks by night in Luke 2, 11. He says, for to you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior who is what? Christ the Lord. You see, his name is above every name. And only in the name of Jesus can we find salvation and right relationship with God. In fact, uh, the, the writer Luke in Acts chapter 4 des- describes the power of his name in that fashion. In verse 12, he says, Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Listen, religion cannot save you. Good deeds cannot save you. Being, a, being a, 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 a faithful employer cannot save you. Being a good church member cannot save you. Being a good giver cannot save you. You can only be saved through Jesus. The Bible says He's the door. He's the way. And as Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, he said, He came as a man. That's Christmas. He died on a cross. That's Easter. Crucifixion and Resurrection Sunday. Therefore, His name is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, everybody say His name, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if you travel to Bethlehem, and I have. You can go to Bethlehem, and you know what? It's still a little town of Bethlehem. It's a little town. And you can go to the church of the nativity, and I have. And you can go down and, and into the lower regions of the church of the nativity, where, which is the traditional site of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and down in the dark, kind of basement feel, there in the floor is a silver star that historians, many believe, is the actual birthplace of Jesus Christ. And even if it's not, it's very close. We got the right city, old little town of Bethlehem. And when you go to that city and you go to the place of that star, which represents what the... Uh, the, the, the shepherds saw when they saw the star in the night. Emmanuel's birthplace. God with us. Wonderful counselor's birthplace. Mighty God, his birthplace on earth. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What you'll find there is just a plot of ground. But today, the star is still here. You know what Jesus said about himself? 
He said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You see, on that first Christmas morning, a star was made known. The light began to shine. It was a glorious night. Humble beginnings, but eternal blessings. It was a silent night. It was a holy night. thank you for that first Christmas morning we thank you for the light of God being made manifest to all the earth amen sing it Michael silent
family from our family to yours we do wish you a Merry Christmas but what we ask of you and as your pastor and as this pastoral family stands with you today we want to encourage you to take Christ with you take Emmanuel he wants to be with you take wonderful counselor he wants to speak wisdom into your life. Take mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And most importantly, take Jesus, the Savior of the world. Not only with you on your journey, but introduce Him to your family. And some of you this holiday season need to do something beyond just open the presents and Eat the food and enjoy the time off. I want to encourage you to take your children and introduce them to Jesus. I want to encourage you to take Jesus and introduce Him to your family and friends that you spend time together with. Because He is the Savior of the whole world. Let's sing it one more time. Silent night. Silent